The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify, or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another night, another podcast of Parking the Bus here on the PTB Media Network. I am your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and it is night five of Euro 2020. This historic tournament took another historic turn today. Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, as I say, (laughs) he entered the record books by himself today, now the Euro's all-time leading scorer with 11 goals scored at the Euro in his fifth Euro. Tonight he played, or this afternoon, he played in his fifth Euro. Let that sink in for a second. The man debuted in 2004, 17 years ago, and he's still scoring goals. He's not just there for moral support. 11 now, make, he passes Michel Platini, and he is now the all-time leading scorer. And I hope that he is not done yet. Two more to his career international tally, bringing him to 106. And he's now only three behind Ali Dali of, um, of Iran. And now it's becoming it's becoming more a matter of when and not if. He gets that record. Um, I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch, of course, on that. Uh, it will be one absolutely historic day when it comes. Um, and I am and I know all of the Portuguese people around the world, including myself, will be very, very proud um, if, in fact, that that day comes. But for now, he is the king of the Euro, 11 goals. And Portugal take three points today. Very late. They saved it for very, very late, but they beat Hungary and take control for now of Group F, Group H, um, of Group F, yes. And uh, France also get a win today, and I've got our friend Fade My Plays here again from Better Than Vegas. He was nice enough to join me once again tonight, and we talked about today's two matches, and he brings a lot of good insight. He brings a lot of good data with him as well, and I, I like having him on. He really is a great compliment to to my style of what I like to talk about. He brings perspectives that I don't always see, so I think you're going to really enjoy our conversation once again tonight. So thank you for joining us. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and follow the show Wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, on uh, TuneIn, or on Amazon, if it's on Amazon, just tell Alexa to play Parking the Bus podcast, okay? It's that simple. She will start to play the show, (laughs) all right? Um, Also, please go over to the PTB Media Network's YouTube page and subscribe to the show. As you know, we go live every night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And that's Eastern here in the United States. Every night, 
if you want to watch us live. Um, we're getting more and more people every night watching, which is really exciting. So um, feel free to to go over to the YouTube page and hit subscribe and hit the little bell there so that you get alerted whenever we're live. As um, five down and about 20, 20 some to go, as this tournament is flying by, we have already gone through match day one for everybody. My fantasy team is in dead last. Uh, I pick, I picked a horrible fantasy team, uh, so and I usually do. I'm one of the world's worst fantasy players. But if you like betting, if you like to make money, well. Uh, Fade My Plays is going to give you some tips for tomorrow's matches as well. But uh, if you're listening to the podcast, a lot of times you're going to get the show after the next day's matches have begun. He's giving good tips. So you want to watch it live on video or catch it the next morning before the matches begin, depending where you are in the world, of course. Um, So you can always watch on the PTV Media Network's YouTube page or on www.parkinthebusmedia.com. All right, we're going to take a quick pay, a quick break right now. Going to pay a bill and I will be right back with my conversation with Fade My Place. Don't move a muscle. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast's continuing coverage of Euro 2020 here on the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to Night 5 of Euro 2020. This is episode 46 of the Parking the Bus podcast. And... Our friend, uh, our friend, he's he's body fades today at Fade My Play. He's back again after last night, and uh, we got two big matches to talk about today. We got two uh, nerve wracking matches, really, and um, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun hour now to talk about these matches. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Doing well, doing excited. You saw me uh, getting some of that liquid courage in here because, boy, were my nerves on edge all day today watching both matches. I mean, talk about uh, two games that didn't disappoint, and especially that France-Germany game considering the low score total. It was electric, and I think it's just a sign of the times we were saying this yesterday, but this tournament is the best we've seen in a long, long time, and I am here for it. I love every second of it. How how awesome was it to see a full sold out stadium of sixty seven thousand today? My God, it was <laughs> loud in there. Yeah, I mean, and, and and you know, hats off to Hungary for pulling that off, and they they look like phenomenal hosts. And even being on the other side, you can see the shirt I'm wearing, everybody. <laughs> but even being on the other side, I, I felt for them at the end of that one. That that was mm. that was a bit harsh, if you will. Um, yeah. They were so close to to getting the results that they worked so hard for, but big game, big game players come up big in big games, don't they? <laughs> they absolutely do, and there's no bigger game player than Cristiano Ronaldo, and in my opinion, the greatest of all time. But I mean, you know, that's obviously up for debate. But mm-hmm. in terms of international plaudits, there's no player that gets up for his team every single time. I mean, the man is 36 years old, and for the full 90. He 
does not have an off switch. He is in kill mode the whole time. And I think that's what a lot of people's, you know, only criticism of Messi is, is just that he doesn't have that same intensity where it's like, right, it's 85th minute. We have to win this game. I'm going to take it over. And even though he wasn't the one that got the opener, he made it happen. His movement is unbelievable to watch. And I think, uh, you know, it sounds, it sounds very, um, I don't know. I, I, it sounds very much like, you know, I'm, kissing the ass a little too much but it's amazing that we get to watch him for the last you know five tournaments that he's played in and in his prime all the way through to now it it is it's unbelievable and you know there's the ongoing debate especially in the the you know the close portugal fan groups or or among portuguese people that that they there's this belief and it's a deep rooted belief that the national team is better without him and i'm i'm fighting this battle with people and they they may play prettier without him, but today we see when he's not the focus, mm. they're better with him there and not over focusing on him. Because even though Diogo Jota didn't have his best game, oh my god, he, I was screaming. He, he, I was too. He still he was really the focus in the first half. That was mm. the guy they were going through, and even and everybody's you know criticizing on Bernardo Silva, but he even whipped in a few good balls. They found him in some good spaces. I mean. Bruno Fernandes is in a a tough situation where he's being asked to do a lot more defensively than he's asked at yeah. United, and that's why he, you're not getting the offensive production from him. And I don't know. I think fans just don't see that, or they they think the coach can just flip a switch and and change his position, but he would have to change the whole team around. And he's already criticized for playing too defensive all the time. So I mean, he would have to add another defender to free up Bruno to to roam free and then you got too many players roaming free you know yeah and and i completely agree with you in the sense that i think a lot of people especially recently have come into the thinking that ronaldo on the national team is a lot like ronaldo on juventus where they do seem to be a better team without him but the thing with the national team is there's this obvious connection you see between Ronaldo and obviously the older players, but even the Mm -hmm. younger players where they see like we rally behind his intensity and Mm -hmm. energy. And I think they know how much that the international game means to him. And also you see today, I mean, it's like what we were saying with Poland the other day of how it can be a tactic when you have a player on your team that is a magnet to defenders that pulls Mm -hmm. them off the ball. And you see Ronaldo out there on the left side and he's pulling defenders out of the middle and it's creating chances for Jota and for Fernandez and for, you know, um, Silva. And I mean, in this specific game, (sighs) I am a big Jota stan. And as a United Mm -hmm. fan, I absolutely hate that he's on Liverpool because I think he's a, I, I think he's a brilliant player. I think he has a long, amazing career ahead of him. But he just was not on today. It seemed like he couldn't help but give the ball away. And when he mm-hmm. had shots, he took them, and they were all straight at the keeper. And you know, I mean, the biggest blowing mistake is him picking a shot when you have arguably the best offensive player that's ever existed wide open, and he decides to take on the shot instead of yeah. a simple pass and yeah. finish. <laughs> And, uh, and and interestingly enough, that chance for Ronaldo at the end of the half, granted, I still think he should have put it on target, but it took a little nick off Jota trying to backheel it. And it's just like, he just had an off day and notice how I was screaming, take him off at halftime. And then 60 minutes came, take him off, take him off. As soon as he came off, 3-0. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I thought I thought the manager waited too long to make some substitutions too. I was, I was, I thought the game was screaming for Ronaldo Sanchez earlier. Uh, because, I, I love Sanchez. I think and, he's underrated. 
I think so too. And we saw one of his first plays. He just took the ball and barreled through two guys, literally lowered his head and just ran right through them and kept the ball the whole time. But I, and I understand why he, he wanted to keep, because what he was doing, he's playing with two defensive holding midfielders in Danilo mm-hmm. and in William. And he love, he loves those two together because he's a very, you know, defense first minded coach, especially in a match like this, where if you want to get someone like Bruno free, the other two midfielders have a lot of space to cover mm-hmm. and have a lot of defending to do. And I think that's why he withheld so long in pulling William out um, to bring, and he brought on Rafa actually, which shocked me because he uh, didn't have the best of seasons. I know why he's there. He has certain characteristics. No other player has. He has this speed. He's literally, if, if, you know, Jota and, and Bernardo are these guys that can swallow them through players. Rafa is your guy that just goes north to south in in you know zero to sixty in whatever four seconds, and he's just he's your speed guy. And and the game needed an interjection of speed. My thinking was it was going to be Renato to do that, mm. that because because it was more in a midfield a midfielder for a midfielder. But we talked yesterday about how when you make substitutions, you have to change something about your team, change the look somehow. And I think today he got that part of it right, even though 100%. he might have waited too long. Well, I think it's also a situation where he saw something wasn't working and by nature of taking that out, it's not just a like for like change where, okay, what you're doing, you know, whatever, let's try someone else in that position. It was like, no, you're, you're affecting the game negatively. I'm going to take you out. Mm -hmm. And I think, like you said, he waited way too long, but you see the proof immediately. And granted that first goal was, you know, a a lucky deflection, Mm -hmm. but the, the penalty was soft, but it, at the end of the day, it's a penalty. He grabbed his arm and yeah. pulled him back. And then Ronaldo's third goal, the third goal, I mean, that was beautiful football. <laughs> and it's like, why why hasn't this been going on the whole game? It, it it was remarkable to watch how when they turned it on, boy, did they. And they deserved yeah. that 3-0 win. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I mean, they made they made us wait. They made us suffer. Um, it was hung, Hungary played a smart match. I mean, yeah. They they had chances of their own. I mean, if not for that marginal offside, he beats Rui Patricio to the near post. And I'm concerned that he got beat on that play to the near post like that. Mm. Um, I'm glad, obviously, that it didn't count. But still, I, I'm I'm concerned that he got beat there. You would you would expect the goalkeeper to be able to take that angle. I'll 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 uh, read off the lineups, and we'll we're already halfway through the match we've been talking about, but. Uh, Hungary played a 3-5-2. They talked about that. Uh, Gulachi is in goal. You got Botka, Orban, and Salai across the back. There's three Salais with two different spellings in the team. Uh, We have, let's see here. So across the middle, you have uh, Lovrensix. You have Kleinheiser, Nagy, Schaffer, and Fiola with... Salai and Shalai, I think is how they pronounce it. Ad, Adam Shalai, uh, the captain up front. So Portugal goes with a 4-2-3-1. It's the way they always play. Um, it really morphs into a 4-3-3 a lot of times because your outside guys, uh, Jota and Bernardo, do get pretty high. Mm. And you got Semedo in in as the right back. I don't think there's any there's any surprise in this team. This was exactly what I expected. Yep. Pepe or Pep and Ruben Diaz in the center with Rafael Guerrero getting the start at left back. Uh, like we just said, the double holding midfield of Danilo and William in front of them, Bruno Bernardo and Diogo Jota. And obviously Cristiano Ronaldo in the striker role. 
And I wish he would be more of a striker sometimes, Ronaldo. I wish he would stay in the box more. I know he likes to move and and he can open space. But you see with him, especially at Juventus, because they let they I think they either want him to do this or he wants to do it and they let him. But he always finds his way out to the left. Hmm. And if you watch today, I think he stayed more in the in the center channel today and he made runs but then he got himself back into the middle and started his runs from there whereas he loves to just hang out on the left in uh with juventus and i think you got a better version of him i know he didn't have a lot of chances and he wasn't but he wasn't the focal guy in the offense which i think is the best Mm. part of what happened today is they they spread it around well it goes back to what you were saying is how it's great that they have you know this is the first time, not this year, but in the last couple of years has been the first time in a long time where it isn't just Ronaldo offensively. And mm-hmm. they do have weapons all over the pitch and Jota Fernandez and Sanchez. And I think that moving forward, that's definitely something to key on. But you said something that one of my biggest takeaways from today was there were a lot of chances for Hungary. And granted, mm-hmm. they were in Budapest in front of a full stadium and they were, you know, picking apart a little bit of the Portuguese defense because Portugal was pressing so much because they knew they Mm -hmm. had to get a win. Whereas against Germany and France, they'll sit back a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of holes and I saw a lot of opportunities that if Hungary was a little more disciplined, they could have easily notched one. And first, in fact, they could have notched the first one and turned the game completely on its head. So I think it definitely opened my eyes to seeing Portugal as having some cracks at the back that I didn't think were there. Yeah, and I always get nervous. I know this this was the, the must-win game in the group, obviously, mm-hmm. but the, these games make me more nervous than than the Frances or the Germanys because it they call for us to have the ball more than I, I like us to have the mm-hmm. ball. And they we have to build it up and, and, and get a goal like we did. You saw it took almost all match to build up and get that goal that we needed to get the victory, whereas against a France or a Germany or a Spain, they're going to come forward and they're going to open themselves up. And then we're going to, you know, we're going to look to counter and to exploit it. And I think Portugal's at their best when they can do that. Yeah. With, you know, none more uh, obvious than in the last year or final against France, where it was just play smart, pick your chances and, and wait for the moments. But in this game, you know, Hungary was going to sit in deep and they were going to force us to build it up mm-hmm. to connect the passes to find the passing lanes to make the right runs and to get the opportunities and you know when when you don't convert your early chances like Jota didn't each one is that has that yeah. much more pressure on it every time you go to it was kind of in some ways what we saw with Spain the other night whereas when you don't finish those opportunities the pressure starts to mount granted i think we we showed a lot more um cutting edge than Spain did. Hmm. Spain plays a lot more lateral. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I would argue that Spain's defense had, you know, the ball a f- yeah. lot more than Portugal's, but at the right. same time, I was saying around 50, 60 minutes, like, feels a lot like Spain-Sweden, doesn't it? It, but it, it sure did, yeah. Portugal, <laughs> but Portugal, I mean, one thing that and again, this goes back to why I love Ronaldo so much is the team in general, you can never stop them from pressing. And like, whereas Spain will be happy to just play with the ball around, Portugal will always have meaningful runs forward. Mm-hmm. They'll drive the ball in, even if they lose it, you know, to their own detriment, but they will be a, an attacking team, uh, you know, when they need to be. Yeah. So, I mean, the first 
as the first half went on, Portugal started gaining more control. Uh, like you said, early on, Hungary was playing them tack for tack and was getting their own chances. But as it went on, they, they started to retreat and Portugal started to advance and to move the ball. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the goal didn't come, but you at halftime, you're feeling like it, it's going to come. I, I wasn't, t- you know, entirely nervous the way I would become around minute 70. I thought the way the first 45 minutes went, we've seen so few goals in the first half in this tournament. Yeah. And they they talk about this, which is interesting. And it is funny because this is the first ma- major tournament with five substitutions being allowed. And yep. I personally believe they're not, doing away with this after the whole COVID thing is gone. I think FIFA and they're going to keep, because they like having more faces in the, in the game and they're, they're not going to reduce the the calendar. So the solution is to add more substitutions. So I I think we're going to be playing with five substitutions from now on, which is such a change from 20 years ago where you had three. So don't forget the uh, concussion substitution as well. Exactly. Which came, which may have come into play. Right. And yeah, then, so uh, you even got that. Yeah, and after what happened to Christian Eriksen, it's like fair play. Like the yeah. the more we can rest players, the better, especially yeah. in England where they have such a truncated schedule. Right. And it's just it's there's going to be a period of getting used to seeing so many different so many changes in a match mm-hmm. and you know, you can almost change your entire outfield at this point. Uh with you're changing half of it with with six substitutions. So, um that's why they keep saying that we're seeing goals in the second half. Yeah. But as the second half went on, I'm like, I don't know about this one. I don't know. This is starting to look a lot like the group stage of Euro 2016. <laughs> and it was just, I think of that Austria match, the second one in the last Euro. Mm-hmm. And it was just, the ball would not go in. And I'm no. wondering if, if it, I was starting to wonder if today was going to be like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's something to be said, you know, for, that idea of the more you miss, the more pressure comes on for the makes. But I think in general, there's also a feeling of all these teams want to kind of ease into it a little bit, especially the better teams. You saw it with England, you saw it with, uh, you know, um, Italy, you saw it with Belgium. They ease into a game against lesser opponents because they know they should win. They don't want to, you know, come out, fire, get caught on the break and be down one nil early. I think, in tournaments like this, you see a lot more of a cagey first half in general because of the fact that they're just having the thought of, all right, let's see what we got here. We're all playing together for real for the first time in a while. Let's make it happen because friendlies are, you know, just not the same. And yeah, I think I think we're going to see it really amp up with match day two coming around because now, uh, you know, the tables are all thrown to hell all over the place. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, we're going to see some really exciting match day two games because some teams that could be out of the tournament and they don't win their next game. Yeah, and and as the tournament goes on, you get into the knockout matches again. These these it's going to be harder and harder to 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 just try to hold the team ninety mm-hmm. minutes the way you know Hungary was trying to today or the way Sweden successfully did a couple yep. days ago because when you can introduce new players in there if the manager does a good job and he changes the dynamic of his team it gets very very difficult to to defend against that and so we finally get a substitution in the 71st minute and that's when rafa comes on for bernardo and um 
Right. I was calling. I I wanted to see. I'll be honest. I was also hoping to see Joan Felix at this point because mm. I thought right back to that second to last athletic match. Uh, who were, they were playing at home, and they they were losing. They actually were losing, and he came in and he sets up Renan Lodi for the the equalizer a few minutes after going in, and then Luis Suarez wins the game for them in in the dying minutes. And what he's really good at is getting into the spaces in between the attackers and the midfielders where the defense makes their defensive line, and then you have the midfield line. Joe Felix, as well as anybody, gets into that gap in between and is able to turn and then deliver the final the final ball, the final pass to, to set up one of the, the finishers to get, to get a goal. So I was looking to see him, and um, I'm guessing Santos and Simeone had a conversation because it's like nothing before the 80th minute or something because yeah. he – he didn't even use him, but I mean, he he waited and waited, and so he went with Rafa. And like I said, that surprised me because he's not on the best of form, but he had the characteristics, I guess, that mm. the manager recognized that this match was calling for. And he comes in, gets two assists, and and draws a penalty kick. So obviously, yeah, he talk made about the right an call there. Substitution, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like exactly. Instant impact. So you can criticize the manager, and Portugal fans love to criticize him because they never like his selection. They yep. never like his style. But this is how you win tournaments is by making these types of substitutions that change mm. the match. And and make no mistake in how important getting a 3-0 win is because, oh, I mean, that, <laughs> that goal difference now, especially with what happened to Germany, is epic. I mean, it can't be understated. So, yeah, and and to have a player, like you said, that I agree, wasn't in the best of form, definitely wouldn't have been my first substitution, but instant impact, like you said, the two assists and drawing the penalty, it's just that kind of player completely changes the game, and you carry that momentum on, and I think, you know, again, I, I don't understand why they waited, because it's not like they were having chance after chance after no. chance <laughs> before that, but yeah, it was, you know, that's why they're being paid the big bucks and me as a, you know, couch manager and sitting on my couch watching. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, 10 minutes later, he introduces Renato Sanchez and he introduces Andres Silva from Eintracht Frankfurt. One of the second only, I think, to to Lewandowski in the Bundesliga and scoring this year. And uh, that that's a nice guy to be able to bring in off the bench. He finally, like you said, he pulls Jota at that point. And and uh, pulls one of the holding midfielders. So now you've introduced three very dynamic, three very pacey players. Mm-hmm. And now you, you're a completely different. Now you're a speed team all of a sudden versus a a skill team. Yep. The, so and it didn't take long. And and like you said, it was a little bit of a lucky bounce. But they did all the right things to put themselves in position to get that lucky bounce and it's the left back getting all the way. He's almost on the right side of the pitch when he receives <laughs> this thing, but uh, he just keeps making his run and he saw the space. He went to get it. Rafael Guerrero of, of uh, Borussia Dortmund. And it took like two deflections and found its way into the goal. And let me tell you, that was like weight right off my shoulders. That was <laughs> like, that was relief with six minutes to play at that point. Yeah. And then it was just, you could see all, all momentum, all gas, all everything just deflated from Hungary. And it was just the Ronaldo show from there on in. Yeah. And you could hear the air come out of the stadium, literally, because oh, yeah. they, they, they were so close. And you could see the dejection on their face. You know, Glachi had had such a good game in goal. But then, you know, he's hard done by by that deflection. 
And what I like here is the old Portugal would have just, you would have seen two more defense-minded players come right in mm. with the last two substitutions right at that moment. And they would have sat back and invited Hungary forward and possibly even, you know, let them back into the game. But no, they went out and they, they looked for the next goal. And uh, that came just a few minutes later, 87th mm. minute after, again, like was, there was a nice little buildup in play there, actually. Nice little combination yeah. of play that sends Rafa in. And yeah, it's soft, not soft in the sense it's not a lot of contact, but it is contact. And I think I, it's one know. of those plays where if the referee does not call it, VAR doesn't overturn it either. No, I think, I think this one, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why it did, they didn't overturn it. But uh, he does get his arm around Rafa's arm and he does not allow him to square his, his balance in order to take the shot. So yeah. um, it is, it is a light penalty, but, but a penalty, no doubt. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, people don't like to see that, especially all these pundits are ex defenders. So it drives them you know, <laughs> crazy. So, but um, yeah, I, I, I maybe it's because I'm on this side of it, but that that is I think that's a I've said on the record plenty of times where similar calls have gone against my teams, and I've said, listen, it is a penalty. There's mm. contact there. You may not like yeah. the force of it, but the force really is not relevant in whether or not something is a an infraction or not. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and like I said, it's one of those things uh, that if he didn't call it, VAR wouldn't have overturned it. He called it, VAR didn't overturn it. It was mm-hmm. just a in-the-moment decision, and that's how it goes. So, so Ronaldo, uh, he converts the penalty. It's 2-0. Another substitution, Moutinho comes in for Bruno, so the Wolves guy comes in for the Man United player. Uh, that was a smart play because Moutinho at this – a lot of people don't like him in the team at this mm-hmm. stage of his career, but he's very, very – he's more intelligent now than he was in his prime. And he's very good at spraying the ball around and at just he knows his limits now, which makes mm. him such a good player because for me at least, because he doesn't try to do anything he can't. So he's a very safe player. And I think that's why he opted for him versus like a Juan Palinha, who a lot of people wanted to see in this match. But I think the experience too, when you put an experience on the pitch in the final moments up to nil, I think it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. And, and- I think what you just said is actually one of the takeaways I had from today about uh, Pepe is that you can see that he knows his age now. He's mm-hmm. not charging forward like he used to for Real Madrid. And it's, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, in, in my opinion, awesome to see a player that's like, I know that I can't cover getting back if I charge mm-hmm. forward as much anymore. So I'm going to play a little bit more of a holding center, you know, half. And mm-hmm. um, I thought he had a very decent game as well. Yeah, yeah, he got on the end of one of the set pieces, forced a good save from Galachi. Yeah, forced a very good save. Yeah, and then we get the goal. It was, I believe I saw on Twitter, it was 33 connected passes leading up to Ronaldo's goal. Yeah. Um, Not to mention the final five that were just beautiful. Yeah, all inside the area. <laughs> it, it was a great goal. I mean, it's one I'm definitely going to go watch again on the tactical cam now yeah. that that's the best thing about ESPN is <laughs> they have the different camera sets that you can watch afterwards. And it's saying here, so Rafa picks his his second assist here. And yeah, it it looks like Hungary froze and thought he was offside, but you saw the far-sighted player left him on. And then he, he dribbles poor Galachi, and in five yeah. minutes, his, his clean sheet got absolutely <laughs> destroyed. decimated, destroyed. 
So 3-0, that, like you said, the goal difference is huge because now we're four goals better than Germany going into the game on. So a draw is also now a very good result on Saturday. A huge result. And, you know, Germany have this overwhelming goal difference gap now that they're going to have to try to make up. And really all we have to do is not screw it up now at this point. It seems that way. It seems that with the way the chips have fallen now, you have an interesting situation where Germany, you know, Hungary becomes must win now. Mm-hmm. In, and must win by a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but not just for Germany, but for France as well, if they want right. to top the group. And so it's interesting to see how, because through 84 minutes, you're thinking, oh, okay, Germany, France, it kind of doesn't matter what happens here because they just need to win against Hungary and the draw against Portugal goal mm-hmm. and they'll be all right. But now you have both these teams that Germany needs a big win over Hungary. They, in reality, need a win over Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Portugal, if they can come away with a point from Germany or France, really, they should be okay. Yeah, and and then once you're out of the group, it's a whole new whole new yeah. tournament, and that goes for Germany as well. Uh, like I said, we shouldn't give up on them yet. If they advance oh, as a third place, the third place team has a nice road. So yeah. for <laughs> me, for me, Germany. I mean, we'll get to that game. I know, but yeah. I don't think Germany is out of it yet. No. You got anything else on this one? Before the, we turn the, page? the only other thing I'll say is I continue to be a giant Ronaldo stand, and he's the greatest <laughs> player of all time. That's just uh, me. two more, two goals closer to that record. Uh, yeah, I know well, the, he, he holds the Euros record now with eleven. Yeah, and now he holds the Euros record and playing in his fifth, first player to actually play in five of them. Yep. They said that Casillas was on the roster five times, but played in three. So that's uh. It's quite a feat at his age to still be scoring goals. In, in and to, yeah, I mean, you see him on the break and you're like, this man is not 36. But <laughs> Yeah, so uh, next up will be Germany on Saturday. So hopefully we'll get another great match out of that. So yeah, let's early, at- <laughs> early lines are Germany is a pretty heavy favorite in that one. Uh, plus 145. And well, their backs are against the wall. So, yeah. so I can see that. Uh, we'll go into Germany versus France now. The second game, the night game. Um, so France is playing 4-3-1-2. Hugo Lloris is in goal. Benjamin Pavard, Rafael Varane, Presnel Kimpembe, and Lucas Hernandez in the back. Adrian Rabio gets a start with Angolo Conte and Paul Pogba in midfield. And then Antoine Griezmann is playing behind Mbappe and Benzema. For Germany... Uh, they went with a 3-4-2-1. Manuel Neuer, obviously, in goal. Uh, Matthias Ginter, Mats Hummels, and Antonio Rudiger are the three in the back. You got Joshua Kimmich, Ilke Gundogan, Tony Kroos, and Robin Gossens in midfield. Uh, Thomas Muller and Kai Havertz as, I guess, attacking midfielders or withdrawn forwards behind Serge Gnabry. So... Two good teams. Yeah, and, very. And I, I really don't want anyone to sleep on this Germany team because there's a lot of talent there. Boy, is there. And and also a team that you can tell is extremely, extremely familiar with each other's play styles. Yeah. I mean, their ability to find each other without looking, just see themselves in space is remarkable. Yeah, and, and uh, on the other side, we all know how good France is. There's <laughs> there's no debate about their depth and their their quality. 
interesting they went with with Benzema over Giroud. We heard we heard murmurs of, of problems in the locker room between those two guys. Uh, supposedly they squashed it, but you look at France's bench here, and it's like you got Osama. Uh, oh, sorry, Osman Dembele. You got. <laughs> You got Thomas Lamar, you got Olivier Giroud, Kinsley Coleman. I yeah. mean, there's again two teams with just so much talent between them. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. However, I, you know, first of all, I mean, can we put these Giroud over Benzema things to bed? I mean, Benzema's by far the better, better player. player yeah. I mean, he's proved it time and again. He starts, keep that in mind, whereas Giroud yeah. rides the bench. And not only that, but mm-hmm. Benzema starts for Real Madrid and has, for, you know, he's been a Real Madrid stalwart for, for a decade. Yeah. So uh, we need to stop that as a genuine debate. But honestly, I thought on the day Germany looked the better side the entire way through. And this is what we said yesterday. We said in the breakdown, I said, my biggest fear with Germany is the fact their back line is old. They're making mistakes mm-hmm. they don't normally make. And look what happened. Matt Hummels, OG in the 20th minute and that is the difference in the game i mean we literally said yesterday that france's defense is so solid and germany's is just questionable because they're old and they've had the same people there for so long and that was exactly what the problem was today and you know they shot themselves in the foot really and i mean i when you watch the run of play in the first 20 minutes it was all germany and then obviously after the goal they needed to get one back and i think they were you know, uh, a handful of breaks that France looked so dangerous. And if Mbappe was a little bit slower, like he's too fast for his own team, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's offside before they're able to even think By about passing kneecap. the ball. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, but it, when I was watching it live, I thought he was off because he's just so I fast. Did too. But they, their inability to hold possession, I thought was pretty stunning considering mm-hmm. who you have on the pitch with Pogba and Kante and Rabiot, Griezmann and Mbappe, but they seem to never have the ball and Germany seems so comfortable uh, in the midfield and in the attacking half. I just think that they didn't have, you know, the lucky breaks today. They had a few deflections. They had a few saves um, by Lloris, but really it was, it was a tale of just not their day because when you actually look at, you know, the statistics in it, Germany had one shot on target and that is never going to beat a team like France. And uh, I think that Germany should be, you know, obviously fine going against Hungary. I think in reality, they could get all three points against Portugal, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they look the better side to me for the full 90. Yeah. And you know, if France is yeah, they're kind of like the anti-Spain in this one because they're they're doing the opposite here. They have all this talent, and then they're not keeping the ball, like you said, and yep. they're allowing Germany to really build confidence too. That was the other thing. Germany, as the game went on, got stronger and stronger, and they started to believe. I mean, you look at the goal, and I we talked about him yesterday when we previewed this, and for, he's just so much better of a player for France than he is with Man United. And mm. Paul Pogba, unbelievable diagonal ball for this goal right he plays lucas hernandez in and this is something like the spain team should be watching because what he did was he he sent an absolute missile right it forces germany's back line who have the game in front of them all of a sudden to turn because it's Mm -hmm. going over their heads and that's what turns hummels's body towards his own goal which ends up in the own goal is because of that ball from Pogba going over his head and forcing all of them to turn their bodies and change their positioning. 
And then Hernandez is smart too because he doesn't try to loop this one up and 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 make for a jump ball. He he hammers it across the face of yeah. goal. And I he's making it very hard to defend. And, and that's something I used to teach kids when I was coaching. I used to say, if you've got those defenders turned around, hammer that thing across the face of goal. It just has yep. to hit somebody because you've got them turned around. And that's what ends up happening here to to Matt to Matt's Hummels. Well, and like you said, it's uh, a quandary. It's it's something that I would love to know the answer to why Pog Pogba just cannot seem to find any sort of the same fire that he has when he's either in a really big game for United half mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and every time he plays for France. I mean, as a United fan, he's when he's on, oh my God, it's amazing. But his tactical awareness, his ability on the ball is unbelievable. I mean, but for a kneecap, he had that hockey assist, you know, mm-hmm. uh, putting the ball up to uh, Griezmann and then, or excuse me, to Mbappe and then getting Benzema the goal, even though it was called back. It's just... Right, right. He was vision. the guy on that play yeah. too. You you get you get why he is one of the best in the world. He just doesn't mm-hmm. show it at the club level. But for France, he's so dangerous because he sees the pitch so well. And he passed up, he passed up the through ball to Benzema to give Griezmann a better, you know, ball in. That Griezmann then, or excuse me, that Mbappe then just yeah. laid off for Benzema in the easiest way. That was the impressive part because Mbappe's behind him and he knows that that's the better run. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> that, it, it goes back to why he is the most frustrating player for me in football because yeah. he could be so amazing, yet he chooses not to be. And I just don't get it. Yeah, it, it is. And and I, I've said this, that he was actually, I think he was Jose Mourinho's downfall at United and Jose went and got him. Like that was. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. It, and, and United will never, ever, ever, ever be okay with parking the bus. So Right. Right. Mourinho was always on borrowed time. Right. But it, it, it's just funny because you invest so much in bringing in this type of player and then and then that's ends up being your downfall in, in that crucial season. But yeah, it, it is impressive just how he has seems to have a switch that he can turn on and off. And mm-hmm. it I think he's more comfortable in the French team too. Um uh, yeah. I don't think it's a language barrier, but maybe it's a cultural thing where he's more comfortable around those guys. I don't get it because he grew up in England. I mean, he yeah, was in Manchester United's Youth yeah. Academy for years and years. I mean, he half of his friends are still on the team. It's just, right. yeah, I, I really don't get it. He's paid unbelievably high wages. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is, I love Paul Pogba. I'd love him to stay, but he is very similar to Lukaku in the sense, I think he's a player that loves to be able to dominate physically mm-hmm. during the game. And the English game is so physical and so hard. It's whereas, hard that, yeah. you know, the, the Italian game, the Spanish game, the French game, it's so soft in comparison. Absolutely. And the, a player like Pogba, a player like Lukaku can just literally bully ball anybody around them mm-hmm. and you know you see and you see that a lot in germany as well german players they have that english intent to be able to you know really physically stand up to people um but yeah just i don't know i just think pogba would find it easier in syria and he knows it and why he wants to go back but other than that i can't explain it yeah it's it's <laughs> It's one of life's mysteries, but we, <laughs> we, we, that's where we start to see. And I, I liked this from Germany mm. is they didn't drop their heads like Hungary did. For example, no. you see the difference in class there, right? I mean, there's a lot more time left also, but they didn't, 
they didn't for one second think they were out of this match and they just went back to their game and they started creating and you know you got guys like Gundogan in the middle who's you know on great form this year and you're finding they're finding those runs and they're picking out the, their teammates and they're really making Francis backline do a lot of work in throughout yeah. the rest of this first half yeah and it's amazing to see as well that the French back line, I mean, you know, again, this is something we talked about before the game, but it is just loaded. I mean, it is so fantastically mm-hmm. built and their talent with Pavard, Varane, Kempembe and Hernandez is just unbelievable. But I think that's the thing that France is, you saw in this game that they were willing to sit back and let Germany mm-hmm. come at them because they were confident in their defense, which they haven't really been, you know, outside of the last four years, that hasn't ever been their strength really. And so to see that you see them more comfortable b- breaking. So it'll be really interesting to see the Portugal France match, because I'd say that that would be the Portuguese mentality is sit back and let France mm-hmm. come at us. But it seems that France is happy to do the same. So it'll kind of be, yeah. <laughs> well, who's if, gonna, they, if they both go in with six points, I think we're in for a, uh... For yeah. a leisurely walk, it'll be <laughs> it'll be a walk around the block. I'll say yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, France also understand that these are long tournaments, and you can't you can tell the teams with less experience because they run out of gas in the after the group stage that they, they put it all. And some teams don't have a choice because for them, advancing is winning the tournament. Mm. Uh, someone like Hungary, for example, can't sit back and say, oh, we, you know, we have seven matches because they've got three and nothing after that is, is guaranteed. Not that it is for anybody else, but France know that they have to manage, they have to manage their energy levels and they don't want to show too much either because everybody's watching. Mm. And that's the other thing about a, a, a Portugal France matchup here in the group stage, because I know running the pick challenge, I, almost everybody picked them as the two finalists yeah. and, and uh, they're aware of the fact that their paths are going to, could cross again. If they both want to win it, they probably have to go through each other again. So it will be really interesting in that third match to see what they do. And it mm-hmm. depends obviously uh, what kind of result they each need. But yeah, I think, I think, France is just slow, trying to start slower, trying to conserve some of that firepower for when the when the heat gets turned up a little bit, when the intensity has to be raised a little bit later on. Yeah, um, I mean they let Germany do all the work for them. They did, they did, and and I think you know, like you said, they they clearly are playing for the long game. Yeah. And they they won the World Cup. They know what it takes to win the World Cup. And how often do and, we? And see... they got to the finals of the last Euros. So, right. You know, exactly. They, they know. And how often do we see the team that's the darling of the group stage still be there at the end? It usually doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's move ahead. And we got, so Timo Werner comes in for Serge Gnabry in the 74th. And Leroy Sané comes in for Kai Havertz. Looks like a good uh, good decision. We talked about Timo Werner last night when we were previewing. We didn't really get to see. We didn't really see the Leipzig team over Erner, but of course he's playing against France. He's not just yeah. <laughs> playing against anybody. Um, I had a I had a hot take on Twitter that I said I think Werner will get the equalizer. Mm-hmm. He was he was relatively invisible, um, but you know he didn't fluff a sitter, so you know I don't right. feel too bad about that. And, and Havertz, you know, it, everyone remembers the goal in the Champions League final. Hmm. Nobody remembers it was it was a tough season for Kai Havertz for, for 
everything before that. Um, and I, I, he wasn't bad, but uh, Sané obviously brings more pace, brings more, uh, yeah. brings more danger offensively, and probably again maybe he waited too long on these substitutions because he's only given these guys fifteen minutes, and it's it's something I'm always baffled by is these managers hesitating before making these changes. And then you got a guy who warms up for 30 minutes to play for 15. It ends up being, and yeah. uh, I, I agree with you, but contrary to how it was going with Portugal, I think Germany were dangerous. You know yeah, I mean? Before, true. before the substitutions came in, in that 74th minute, I think that they were still on the verge, you know, they were knocking on the door the whole time. Whereas with Portugal, I mean, nothing was going on until the substitution. So I think mm -hmm. maybe, you know, you have uh, Joachim being like, they're going to get one. I can see it. I feel it. It's coming. Yeah. And then finally just had to pull the trigger and say, this isn't working. We need to try something else. I mean, Gnabry, geez, he had a, he had a hell of a chance and he just mm -hmm. sailed it, you know, yeah. about six inches over the bar. But yeah, it, yeah it was, he had it, Germany's best chance. Yeah. It wasn't like they were completely out of their depth and subbing on out of necessity. It was just, mm -hmm. they needed a change. Yeah. The 85th minutes where we see the VAR uh, decision that we talked about a, mm. a little bit ago, uh, where it appeared Benzema had made it to a two nil and uh, it was going to be game set match. But like you said, I also yeah. felt he was offside uh, Mbappe. That is at the time of the pass. And then, you know, when you don't see them kick off right away and the referee's still listening, you know it's probably offside at that point. If you think it's offside, mm -hmm. if it looks offside, um, <laughs> if they're if they haven't confirmed it yet, it's probably offside. They yeah, haven't exactly. confirmed the goal at that point. And then on comes Imre Chan for Matthias Ginter. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> Imre Chan was still in the national team pool at this point. Um, just long, long time player for this national team. But, you know, Yogi Lo did bring back some of these older players. We see Thomas Mueller back in the team. We see uh, Mats Hummels back in the team. So, And also Kevin Volland comes in. So we get the Monaco forward for for Robin Gosson. So it's all, all out now. He's basically got all his attackers on the pitch. Hmm. Three minutes to go though. And uh, we get a counter move from Deschamps on comes Toliso out comes Benzema. And basically they play it out from there. There's really no yep. more chances. And that's uh, France sees out the result. They get the three points. So we have two winners in this group. I couldn't decide before the match if I wanted them to draw if i wanted one of them so i knew if if it was if one of them was gonna win uh it'd be better to be france because for portugal's sake playing france last i don't mind if they have six points going into that last match yeah maybe um, they'll sit back and yeah you know you could exactly right exactly so um all in all pretty good pretty good set of games today yeah, it was definitely action. a 1-0 a game that gave you your money's worth. It wasn't just a, a boring 1-0. No, not at all, it was right. very, very exciting. And I think, you know, in, in reality, in terms of this group, you know, I have France and Portugal finishing first and second. But mm -hmm. what makes this interesting as well is now that France do have those three points, they, you know, I think what you said is so correct. They may not be looking at the Portugal game anymore. They'll just say, all we need to do is beat Hungary and we're good. We're done. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it it'll make for a very, very interesting 
final matchup, I think, because you could see Portugal needing it and France not at all. Right. And very, who does France want, possible. you know, to face later on if they yeah, do? Fr- France is in a good spot because they have Hungary now. They have Hungary next. Portugal's already played them, so now they got the two tough games. Yep. France has got one out of the way. Um, and they took all three points, which is huge. Right, exactly. And they've already taken all three points. Obviously, Germany's in the toughest spot other than Hungary because they've got to go get points now. And uh, worse for them was that Portugal got three goals on Hungary. So it'll make for an interesting game on Saturday, though. But like I said, I never count out Germany. And yeah, we have a history of not faring well against them. So, But we've also had some good victories over them in the past. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking at some of these stats. Germany won just about every category in stats. Oh, I mean, and and the thing that I think is really telling about France in general is the fact that they had five offsides uh, to three corners. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, that is something that, I don't know, it just shows a lack of chemistry when you have that many offside calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Germany had three, but they were also pressing really hard to try and get yeah. that equalizer so you understand a little bit. But just the fact that, France, when pushed a little bit, they had their chances and really should have had at least one more, maybe two more mm-hmm. goals. Uh, it just shows a little bit of a lack of chemistry or a lack of discipline to have that many offsides. They were clear-cut chances and no no need to be offsides. Yeah, that's a, when you have the type of pace they have, especially if you're Kylian Mbappe, you should never be offside because mm. you can literally give them... <laughs> there was the play where Hummels made that great tackle that looked like it was going to be a penalty. But yeah. he, he, what tackle? He, did you see the wide roundabout route he took around Hummels and still outran him? Yeah. I mean, he <laughs> is unbelievable. He, he literally sprinted in a half circle around him mm. and he still got in front of him. And, and Hummels obviously made a good decision because that he had to make the tackle at that exact moment or yeah. else Mbappe was gone. All right. You got anything else that, uh, Struck out, stuck out for you in this, this one? Uh, no, that was, that was pretty much it. I loved watching both these games. I was pulling my hair out during Portugal, but yeah. we got there in the end. And I just loved that every single group has had, you know, either a surprise or something that you didn't quite expect. Uh, and it's making, you know, the standings, the tables moving forward very interesting. And I'm so excited to see the next round to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, we've seen every team once now, so that's fun. Uh, everybody's played, and we're already starting match day two. These tournaments fly by. They Absolutely. might be a month on the calendar, but they they go by. like. So let's look at tomorrow's matches. All right. Yeah. Uh, we got some the early ones. ones. Yeah, there's some good ones, and there's good storylines here because the early one, you have Turkey versus Wales. I think both teams need to win. So that well, I think the, the earliest be. one is Finland-Russia. Oh, that's at 9 a.m. I don't know why it's listed third. You you are right. So it is Finland, Russia. We'll start there then. And uh, Finland in a good spot, obviously. They've got three points. And Russia don't look very good. <laughs> I, I, yeah. This is this is one of those, uh, you know, and it could be, it come, come back to bite you, but this is a great, great result of match day one in terms of uh, the betting markets because mm-hmm. Russia looked terrible. Mm-hmm. and lost 3-0 to a very, very good Italy side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Finland got three points when they had no business getting three points and looked passable, but against a team with shattered emotions. Mm-hmm. So 
I think the books are trying to say, oh, well, but Russia is a better team and blah, blah, blah. But the eye test is still infecting this line and Russia is a favorite. But, you know, it's just like, I think if we had seen Finland lose game one, we would see Russia at minus 200, minus 210. And, you know, seeing it at minus 150, you know, that's impressive. But my, you know, my favorite bet for tomorrow would be Russia and tack on the under three and a half goals at plus 110, just because I don't see how Finland score tomorrow. Russia is a Mm -hmm. solidly set up defensive side when they choose to be. It's Mm -hmm. in Russia. Um, And Finland again. Yeah. And Finland again, you know, they scored on a goalkeeping error by Kasper Schmeichel after the entire yeah. team, you know, was just an emotional train wreck. And especially him, because he actually had said afterwards that he had told Christian Eriksen's wife, girlfriend, whatever, that, that he they both believed he had passed away mm. at the moment that they were having that embrace. So that's such a shock on the nervous system. And obviously he's not going to be concentrated and he's going to, you know, you can't substitute all 11 players, but that's a moment where maybe the the manager might think about substituting the goalkeeper when he went through. Because that's the one guy that has to be yeah. on at all moments, or at least you're more prepared. Maybe Casper was the more prepared out of the two. Who knows? Maybe the other goalkeeper. I mean, you had the goalkeeper coach went over to, you know, this came out obviously afterwards, but the mm-hmm. goalkeeper coach went over to the manager and said, Casper's not don't, uh, yeah. like, he's not ready. He's not good. Um, you know, and, uh, but again, I, I just am shocked that they even played the game, I, but I you know, the chips, the chips fell how they lie. And I, I don't think Finland will get another point here. I think Russia after getting destroyed and match day one, are going to want to put on a show for their home fans and, you know, we're going to see it, but yeah, I just I think I think this is one of those markets for betting that's great because you have a team that was terrible against a very good side and a team that is terrible get a lucky result and now we're you know seeing the lines reflect that. Yeah, so so that'll, it'll be interesting to follow that one. And um, Russia gets a win; they're right back. They're right back there because again, four points yeah. is almost a guarantee at this. Even with these upset wins, giving extra teams three points. I think four points gets just about anybody in as a third place team. Absolutely. All right. Then we go to to noon and we got Turkey and Wales. And I, this is going to be a, I think this is a must win. We'll see what Turkey's made out of here mm. yeah. because they didn't show very well for themselves the other night, but now they're, you know, the, the scripts flipped a little bit. They're going to have a lot of their fans in the stadium. Um, they're saying this is going to be, kind of a home away from home game for them. There's a lot of a lot of Turkish uh people and a lot of Turkish fans traveling to Azerbaijan for this one. Yeah. Um I they love, make I love a, Yeah. I yeah. love Turkey here. I mean mm-hmm. excuse me in, in the last segment I was saying Russia against Italy. I meant Belgium, but Yeah, Turkey, yeah, I knew what you meant. It's you know it's the same thing where Turkey got beat by Italy uh you know three nil again. But they're other than that game, they're a very good defensive side, and the way they play is very defensively. I don't see how Wales break them down. Uh, Wales got, you know, they were very lucky to equalize, we'll say that much, but also you just have, I think, more, which sounds crazy to say, a bigger quality of talent on Turkey. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the Turkish side, you know, with with their front 
with Yomas and and Karaman and Yazici and Tufa, it's just like they have some players that can make a difference. And with Wales, very much like Poland, it is Gareth Bale or nothing. And I think tomorrow, going into that, seeing how Wales approached, you know, game one, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we're going to see a very dominant defensive performance from Turkey and some kind of one nil victory, you know, on a, on a, a free kick or a corner, some kind of set piece that they get ahead to. Yeah. And then that again, leaves that group wide open because you got, mm. after that, you got Italy versus Switzerland. If, if Italy do what they're supposed to at home and, and win, you got, yeah. you got a Turkey Switzerland match for second place in the, in the final match day. Uh, yeah, what do you think I about think- Italy? I think Italy's a great side and and the fact that they get to play so many of their games in Rome mm-hmm. uh, is obviously a massive boost. I think this is one of the best Italy sides we've seen since their mm-hmm. 2006 World Cup. Um, and the other thing that I like about this game is just the matchups. Uh, I think that Italy is very well matched against Switzerland and the way mm-hmm. they play is very well suited to the way Switzerland play because mm-hmm. Italy is a team that has a lot of offensive talent, but their midfield controls the ball extremely well with Jorginho and Locatelli and Barea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm a huge Immobile fan. Um, mm-hmm. I, I loved him when he was on Borussia Dortmund, uh, but him and Berardi and Insigne, it's just like you, you see the way they, play together i think it's just going to overload switzerland because switzerland are not a sit back team and so i think that they're going to get caught in possession and then it's going to be you know uh three on three and the superior touch from italy is going to be the difference here and i think in reality i could see a similar scoreline to what we saw against turkey yeah and i i like italy too a lot and i i like that there's no one focal guy on that team they're hmm. so balanced and yep. they move the ball so well. And I mean, Jorginho, I, I called him a like a a symphony conductor in the last mm. game. He was just sitting in midfield, like moving the ball here, there, <laughs> making music with yeah. those passes and just completely controlling the game. Not not just possessing to possess, but controlling the, the game and controlling mm. the territory as to where the 1v1s are going to occur. And then yeah. you... You had Berardi, who played phenomenal on Friday, and uh, coming down the right. I'm surprised. I, I am surprised, though, that Bernadeschi isn't getting a look uh, yeah. to start. Uh, that that really surprised me because he's been, you know, he's had a fantastic season. I think he's a great distributor uh, for Juventus, and yeah, that was that was a surprise for me. Mm-hmm. It won't surprise me if Mancini makes a couple changes just for the sake of making them too. He. Yeah. Uh, He's got, like you said, he's got good players on the bench. He's got Bernadeschi. Chiesa I had as my captain in my oh. fantasy team, and he didn't come in until the 80th. I, I was I was off to I'm a bad start. I'm not even joking. Not even joking. I had Chiesa as a dark horse player of the tournament. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I like everything I've seen from Chiesa this season. And then he didn't. He hardly played. So I'm. Maybe he'll. There'll be some squad rotation. I don't. know. He's got so many guys that are just so, like at the same level the the team has such an equilibrium that he can substitute people and he can save players for the third match for the knockout stage they basically know they're in the third the knockout stage already and he can manage minutes if he wants to and we we could see more bernadeschi or of chiesa um it 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 could be another three nil win for for italy here 
Yeah, and and you look at you look at the Swiss team, and you know, I mean, they're going to be doing what they've been doing for the last you know five ten years, and mm-hmm. relying on Shakiri and Jaka and. and to mm-hmm. do everything for them and you know Mbolo I think is a very very talented player but they just they push forward and push forward and the problem is when you have two teams come against each other that love to push the better side is going to win it's out going to push further yeah. yeah exactly yeah so that, that, that's what I see tomorrow as well so I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight uh coming back tomorrow Yes, sir. All right. Perfect. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening again. Uh, thank you to everyone who was watching. Uh, Leo was in the chat making some comments to us. <laughs> um, uh, also, if you're listening to the podcast, um, there's no bonus segment today, but I will be doing a few. So I'm going to get some Copa America reports into the bonus segments again. Um Hopefully tomorrow I wasn't able to record one. Today I wanted to to review the late games the other night from Copa America. But uh hope to do that tomorrow. I think we got three very, very good Euro matches tomorrow. And um is there anything else you wanna you wanna say before we we go tonight? Hey, tune in to tune into tomorrow's and keep uh, being a part of PTB media. Yeah. And if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and hit the little bell next to it so that you get alerted whenever I go live, which is every night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So you should know that by now. But uh, in case you forget, um, anybody watching on Facebook, switch over to YouTube. All right. I have it on my Facebook, but that's just so I can get it out there. Switch over to YouTube. That helps us a lot more. Um, Also, check the website, www.parkinthebus.com media.com all right that's gonna do it for tonight everybody thank you for joining us we will see you next time here on the park in the bus euro 2020 nightly show Seguir em frente Esqueço o teu passado E vivo o presente E se for Primeiro levo toda a gente Ao meu lado Tenho os mesmos desde sempre Firme na corrida Com a fé na minha vida Até o fim Nós só sabemos viver assim Olhem para mim Para tudo Passa a palavra
să mă sabola mai cum golul să-mi crac Pe fește n-a clacă, bojă s-o locură, avem să mă zi combat Să chie futbol, vizamuși cum am ori, se-n rasă Eu tô aqui Com família, amigos, a minha volta pra repetir 